if you don't embrace feedback and you don't think you can learn in both directions, it's going to be a really tough go. Uh, and it sounds a little cliche, but as Mike knows, at, at VCOM, we really embrace uh, what we call authenticity, transparency, and vulnerability. Welcome to Sales Pipe Pros Podcast. Here's your host, Mike Petrosian. All right, everyone. Welcome to Sales Pipe Pros. Appreciate you taking the time. I don't even know if I want to give this guy an introduction. I feel like everyone should know him by now. But this man, uh, true powerhouse, uh, worked with him directly. Uh, he's probably one of the mentors I know. Actually, probably the only mentor I have that's the same age as I am. And uh, tons of knowledge, true sales crusher, one of the best go-to guys I know, just overall a good human being. I'm super excited to have him. Paul Conacher, welcome, brother. What's up, Mike P? Not used to you being this nice to me, so I'll try to not let go to my head too fast. It's just for the camera. You know how it works. <laughs> Good to see you, my man. First question for everyone is crazy times right now, given COVID, pandemic. How are you, bro? Hanging in there. Um, I think there's a lot going on in the world, and a lot of people are dealing with some serious issues. Um, I'm very grateful uh, to have my family and my friends and um, just processing internally and trying to grow a lot as a human being right now, um, using this as an opportunity to really reflect on what I stand for and who I am and try to hopefully help some other people out along the way. My man, that's that big heart I was talking about, always looking for helping others outside of himself. Love yeah. it. Before we get into what you're currently doing, Conacher, how you got to where you are, let's take a step back, brother. This is all about sales and how we uh, became professionals in it. Tell me a little bit how it all started for you in sales. I mean, I was probably five years old and was trying to convince my dad to give me a lollipop or something along those lines. Um, <laughs> no, in seriousness, I, I think I've said this for a long time. I told you, Mike, when you work for me, I think sales is a mindset. It's a DNA. I think people who are salespeople are kind of born that way in some capacity. And uh, I'm no different. I've been a salesperson my whole life. And uh, it was really about middle of college when I realized that, uh, you know, I'm going that direction. I got to find out where the best place in the world to sell is. And for me at that time, uh, it's the Bay Area. It's tech. It's San Francisco. And so uh, moved out to San Francisco, get your first sales job, pounding pavement, which is what we used to do back then. Seems really archaic now. Makes me sound like a dinosaur. Uh, but literally did that. Just started pounding pavement and trying to get people uh, interested at the time in what became a very good product, but uh, unified communications as a service. Love it. And obviously, I mean, some of us are born with that level of persuasion, loving to communicate with people. But, you know, to become a real true salesperson, you have to have some sort of education, mm -hmm. some sort of mentorship. So what did you do to actually start harnessing those customers in and start closing those deals? Is there a program involved, a mentor? Tell me more about that. Yeah, I had a great mentor. My first, uh, I guess he was a CRO at the time, but my first manager, a guy by the name of Tom Raboni, um, he was big into this program called Predictive Index. I actually use it from a hiring perspective now, but it had a lot of sales uh, methodology, I believe in the challenger sale as well. All that being said, I think the biggest thing I learned or what really helped me is you're not persuading anybody, you're guiding them in their journey. And uh, what you need to do is you need to listen. And so once you can get activity and you can get people uh, to engage with you, the biggest thing you can do is listen. And uh, I'd say that's when it really started to come together to me is if you can listen, you can understand their pain points, their challenges, where they're trying to gain efficiencies perhaps, and you can use that to put together solutions. Um, I'm a big fan. I think everything's kind of conceptual in nature. Start putting together solutions for them, whether it's with your product or if your product doesn't work for them, find them something that does. Uh, it'll come back around. The whole purpose is to understand what you're trying to solve for your customer and then figure out a solution for it. Absolutely, man. Now, when you were uh, an individual contributor, 
what did you what did you handle your day-to-day likes I, I talked to a lot of salespeople. you know they first get on their email some of them start dialing away in the morning and then go in the afternoon did you have a specific regimen that you followed to made you make you successful yeah that took me a while to learn i'm glad you bring that up because i think that'd be the advice i'd give a young well actually i got an intern right now that i'm onboarding uh he's doing some sdr work for us i, I think creating a regimen is important and regardless of how successful you're becoming meaning uh, as you grow and your success grows, you'll have unlimited opportunity to engage with people. Make sure you're constantly carving out time for prospecting in the beginning or just new ideas and trying new things because you can lose the hours in your day really fast to doing the things that are generating the immediate results. But if you only focus on the immediate, you don't have the long-term sustainability. And so I would say find the regiment that works for you, whether it's a subset, if you're a, you know managing an inside base, a subset of customer meetings per day, plus prospecting into your non-engaged customers, or if you're an outside development person, you know making sure you're taking advantage of LinkedIn and all the tools that are out there um, to reach out to your potential prospects within your module, as well as then just you know running the sales cycles that are directly in front of you. And I would say personal development too. Sorry, I should never skip over that. Don't forget about personal development, you know, be on the cutting edge of what's available to you. Spend time going and, and meeting with your peers, talking about best practices, you know, know your pitch. Uh, it's funny how many people I interview and you ask them to do a pitch for you uh, and they don't know their own pitch. And it's, you know, that's the number one thing. Understand your product, your value proposition, how it applies in many different scenarios so that when that customer gives you just a little sliver of opportunity, you can take it and you can run with it. Love it. Love it. So now uh, you started off as an individual contributor. Clearly you've done well. I don't think I've ever heard of Conacher missing a quota when we worked together. Uh, well, we but then this quarter to make it, I'll tell you that. <laughs> I'm sure you'll get it done, brother. But outside of that, then you got promoted into director of sales, I believe. You went into management. What yep. was that transition like for us going from an IC all the way to having be responsible for other people? Yeah, I think as an individual contributor, and I think there's a lot of benefits to being an individual contributor. And I've said this a lot uh, since I've been in sales management, I no longer look at anybody who's an individual contributor and question why they're there. I think they're two uniquely different skill sets. And it's uh, not always your top salesperson ends up being your best sales manager. In fact, I think that can, you know, sometimes be very challenging. And for me personally, Mike, you were there, you lived through my first couple of years of sales manager. It was very challenging because I think, especially when you're like me type A person, you're passionate, you're enthusiastic, uh, you see a path forward in every situation. And what you have to remember as a sales manager is it's not your job to do their job for them. Your job is to empower them and create the best sales reps or the best people you possibly can. Uh, and that requires a different skill set than going out and closing business and making your target and making your quota. And if you go out and you win deals on behalf of your reps, you may have a successful quarter. You may have a successful year. You do not have a, a scalable business. And I struggled with that very, uh, very much for the first, I would argue maybe I still struggle with it sometimes, but I really struggled with it for the first couple of years. Um, the second piece is if you have a team of people, say you have two people, one person's doing great today and one person's not doing great today. And then the more people you have, the more likelihood that that exists. And so, you know, if you're like me and you care about things and you're passionate and you're energetic, <laughs> you take all of those wins and all of those losses to heart and it can really, it can really motivate you, but it can really wear you down. And so it you got to, really, yeah, you got to really create some distance there for yourself where, you know, you 
develop your methodology, you understand what is successful within your organization. Um, you try to learn from everyone you come into contact with, including your reps. But at the end of the day, people also have to fit into your methodology and your organization, and you got to be able to be successful and empower them to go do it on their own. Absolutely. One of the things I loved about you, man, I mean, we were always comfortable with each other, but I feel like every team member felt this way about you is regardless of what the issue is, we could come to and talk about it with Paul. We could discuss it with Paul. And I feel like having those open arms in so many words is a key to a good manager. So outside of me being so hard on you, I think you should give yourself some kudos, brother. You actually did it quite well the first year that you were in management. I appreciate that. Uh, and I, I appreciate your feedback in my first year as a manager. I think if you don't embrace feedback and you don't think you can learn in both directions, it's going to be a really tough go. Uh, and it sounds a little cliche, but as Mike knows, at, at VCOM, we really embrace uh, what we call authenticity, transparency, and vulnerability. You got to be authentic. You got to be transparent. You got to be vulnerable. We need the facts as ugly as they might be as soon as we can possibly get them so we can make decisions based on those. And um, for the most part, that's really benefited my career. Um, sometimes I get too close to my reps, I think, and I create friendships and it makes the tough conversations all that much tougher. But trust is at the core of everything. When you have trust, you can really be successful together uh, as a partnership. And as I tell my reps today, and I told you, Mike, I mean, we're in the same rowboat together. And if your rowboat sinks, I sink. So we got to mm -hmm. trust each other we got to believe in each other we got to buy into what each other is doing and then we got to go execute and uh, I think if you can do the strategy, the execution kind of is the easy part of it, but the trust is not easy and it takes time. And if you ask somebody to be vulnerable, you got to be vulnerable in return and you got to really embrace that. And um, it's certainly bled into my personal life as well. I think <laughs> people get annoyed when I want to go deep or I want to get vulnerable, um, but it's shaped who I am. And I think it's helped with my career growth and I think it would yeah. help everyone. Yeah. I mean, salespeople will help out some of the people leading us right now to, to embrace some of those. Right. I mean, salespeople are all strong personalities, right? Not everyone could take feedback with such a grain of salt, but I think the ones that are truly successful, you're headed dead on. If they're not absorbing, they're not learning, they're not growing. So never a good path. Yeah. So let's talk about management now, specifically with the COVID times. Obviously, salespeople love to be in their pods, shaking hands, ringing gongs and whatnot. That's all kind of gone and potentially yes. might be gone for a while. How do you scale a team that's growing, that needs a lot of mentorship, but at the same time, you guys are not in the same building? How do you scale a team like that? And what advice would you give for managers that are having issues in that? Well, first of all, um, I just got to you know say the obvious. I'm very lucky to be in an organization in which our product is in demand right now, and it's more valuable than it's ever been. And so sales has been for us a um, continuation of momentum that we've been building over the last couple of years. And so I think what I'm encountering might be different than what other, you know, people listening to this podcast might be encountering from the perspective of I'm not trying to figure out how to rework my business to make it valuable in a time uh, such as what I would say was, you know, previously a health epidem or epidemic or pandemic. And now it's kind of coming into economic crisis. And so right. that all being said, communication, you know, we're doing a lot more daily Zoom calls with the team. We're getting together as a team. We're talking about best practices. Uh, what's working. I'm currently trying to scale our business development function. Uh, and biz dev was not easy, even in a business that is in demand during the last couple of months, because, you know, people are trying to survive. People are hunkering down and making sure that their core businesses are up and running, that their families are okay. You know, heaven forbid, you know, things are happening in your personal life as well. Uh, and so we really spent the large majority of the last couple of months focusing on rethinking our strategy and implementing 
our long-term vision from, uh, for scaling VCOM. And now we're starting to see the fruits of that labor come together. It wasn't always pleasant for my individual contributors because obviously their commission checks are dependent on the success that we're having. Uh, and where I can see the long-term vision, I think salespeople, I've always said, hit the, hit the button, get the biscuit. You know, salespeople <laughs> pay uh, as fast as possible. Um, and I think the faster you pay them, the more you're going to get the activity that you want out of them. But in some cases, that wasn't realistic over the last two months. And so we spent a lot of time at VCOM changing our go-to-market, not from a messaging perspective, but from how we're going to engage and how we're going to drive activity and building out a scalable motion that's only going to benefit us uh, moving forward. Yeah, absolutely, man. Now you hit it on the head. And uh, tell us a little bit about, I mean, there, it's a whole, there's 40 million, I think, unemployed right now. A lot of people looking for jobs, but you guys are still hiring. So that's a testament to how hot the tech market is. But what advice would you as a sales leader have for other people trying to, other reps trying to breach this market right now? What advice would you give them? What should they put on their resume in order to get in a meeting with you and VCOM potentially? I think you got to be creative and I think you got to be able to relate to what that organization is going through right now and how they're going to market. And you got to do a lot more research. Um, I'm always pumped when I interview new candidates at the ones that really put in the effort on the front end and they know you and they understand you and they understand your go-to-market and uh, find something to connect in and connect with. I think that the, you know, for me hiring right now, I was telling you before we started the interview, but the marketplace is awesome. There is candidates available to us that weren't available previously. And, you know, being sustainable, profitable business with uh, good OTEs and a long track record and now a very viable product, um, we're getting a ton of applications and we're having a bunch of opportunity that we didn't get previously. But those candidates that are differentiating themselves are the ones that do the homework on the front end and they come with a strategy on how they can be successful within your ecosystem. And, uh, you know, I'm not one of the big tech giants that has a giant wheel going where everybody's got to do their part. I mean, we really embrace an entrepreneurial spirit and we need each individual sales rep, whether you're on previous team where I manage Mike and the AEs or you're in my team and you're, you know, doing new logo generation, you got to treat your module or your business as if it's your own and you got to be entrepreneurial about your approach. And so that comes through and that shines through for us in the sales cycle. And I think, you know, the first it starts and it sounds really simple, but you'd be surprised how many people don't do this. Just do your homework, you know, know who you're talking to on the front end, understand what makes them tick, understand the go to market and understand how your skill set uh, is applicable. And every single applicant makes quota on their resume. I'll remind you of that. So <laughs> it's deeper than just a track record of success. It's explaining how you were successful, why you were successful, how you apply your skill set or your learnings to your craft every day. And then the second piece I would say is be eager, come willing to learn and express your desire to learn. And it's not as simple as saying you want to be a sponge. Give examples of where mentors or people in your life have positively influenced you, or you've seen others fall down. We're all going to fail. You learn from that stuff. So where you've yeah. made mistakes historically that have made you better and improved, uh, you know, you as an individual contributor or you as a sales manager or you as a VP at sales or you as a CRO for that matter. No, you, absolutely, man. And let's talk a little about this economic meltdown. Obviously, a lot of pipeline has disappeared out of salespeople's yeah. uh, setup, CRMs, et cetera. Um, not, kind of hard to get yourself motivated, right? Everything that's happening right now. Oh, we're pushing this project out. Oh, that we can't afford this anymore, et cetera. What advice would you give, not just to specifically your team, but all the salespeople out there that are struggling, having their pipelines disappear? What advice would you give them to kind of stay in the game? First of all, uh, you're not alone. Everyone's seen that. Even in our uh, product set where, you know, our existing customer base, we had an awesome, unbelievable quarter um, and that was with a substantial amount of pipeline that just went away overnight. Uh, and that's because companies just don't have money to spend or they don't have the ability to 
to evaluate. I think it's, it's no different though than when times are good. When times are good, you get bluebird deals, you get deals where people are willing to invest in technologies. When times are bad, you gotta bring value. But the truth is I would base your entire sales strategy around what value do I bring? And if you bring value, there will be budget for your product. And that goes back to what I said earlier, be a listener, understand the problem that you're trying to solve, figure out how to quantify it and figure out how to solve it and then be able to articulate it and do that concisely and you should see that you can get deals across the finish line. And uh, it's funny, um, <laughs> I was lucky enough to play golf a couple of weeks ago um, when that opened back up, but a buddy of mine's in commercial real estate, and I can't imagine an industry that would be more decimated than commercial real estate right now. Yeah. He, he had a pretty good quarter, and he described exactly where he had found value and need, and there was an opportunity, and he was able to really connect the dots for his buyer uh, and help them get across the finish line. And that was kind of inspiring to me because, well, I went back and I told the story on my team meeting because if he's able to do that in this type of economic crisis with nobody working from offices, we should be able to sell software that helps companies optimize their addressable spend, something that everybody's begging to do. Yeah, my advice is, you know, you got to stick to your value. You got to know your value and then you got to be able to quantify the customer's pain points and equate your value and your solution to solving their problems. Yeah, no question, man. And one of the things when I worked at VCOM, one of the things I loved about our management team is uh, reiterating the fact that getting in front of people is a lot more powerful than being face to face. So now that once again, going back to the pandemic, we're kind of, you know, in the Zoom environment right now, we, you and I, I believe wanted to do this in person, but we yeah, still we couldn't did. do it. So we, we kept did. pushing out until we couldn't do it anymore, but we'll get there. Uh, but you know, one of the things I loved is we traveled a lot. We shook a lot of hands, went to conferences, et cetera. And a lot of that drove that exclusivity and that level of uh, white glove detail really yep. brought the business in. You guys are kind of losing that now. So is that impacting in any way? Is that making things better for you, more safer? Tell us a little bit about their struggle around that. Yeah. I mean, if you look at where the vast majority of our new customers came from, it came from uh, people who met in person in some capacity. And whether it's at a show, a conference, an event, referrals are our big lead source for a long time. And so that's when I talked about laying the groundwork or kind of reworking our plumbing. It was figuring out how to get leads and how to do business without having our traditional lead sources generating all of those. And so I spent the last two months really rethinking our business model. And um, <laughs> I've shared this with all of my friends who are in sales and Mike, you've heard it from me probably 10 times. The minute that being in front of people is no longer valuable, I'm not going to get paid. I mean, that's what I'm good at. Now I'm starting to rethink that as I'm becoming a better version of myself and figuring out how you build a scalable sales org. And I'm realizing that uh, in-person doesn't scale as well either. And so we have to have kind of a healthy mix there. And when you look at kind of the enterprise approach that we take with all of our customers, you know, SMB all the way through enterprise, we want somebody who leads the account and who's in person, who's built that relationship. I have said it twice already. I'll say it a third time. Trust is at the core of everything and you got to build trust. You got to get in front of people. You got to know each other. You got to like each other to work together. At least I believe you do, but we're starting to figure out how you do that without, you know, going to lunch or sitting in a conference room and whiteboarding or whatever it might be. And we're figuring out how to drive business um, through alternative methodologies that we hadn't embraced previously. And frankly, it's going to improve our scale and it's going to help VCOM grow. We wanted to do this. I think we were going to do it anyway, but we were forced to do it now. Um, and I was given the time. It's, you know, I talked about carving out time earlier in the, in the 
podcast here, but if you don't spend time thinking about your business, you're never going to improve your business. And you got to give yourself time to be strategic. And that's really what the last couple of months have done for me is it's given me an opportunity personally, as I started off with, but also professionally to reflect on who I am, who my team is, and who we want to become. And same with my family. Who's our family? What do we stand for? What do we want to become? And um, as far as face-to-face, again, that's at the core. I believe that's extremely important. VCOM will always be a company that meets face-to-face with our customers, builds, you know, develops deep partnerships. But I think we're getting better at doing that uh, remotely, and we're getting better at doing that at scale. And that's going to help VCOM grow from a revenue perspective. Absolutely, man. And uh, additionally to that, outside of the sales aspect of it, from an internal standpoint, I really adored the way they manage. You guys manage your employees, the the employees summit, the president's club, which had some epic times around that. (laughs) That's off limits for this thing. I told you that in the disclaimer. (laughs) confidential. You got to get there to talk about it, baby. Uh, but yeah, I mean, that level of personability, you know, the president's club, the customer summits, the in-person meetings, like all of that's kind of going away too. What, how, how are you guys scaling that level of, uh, care? Yeah. I'm not going to lie, Mike. That's been hard. I miss my peers. I miss my teammates. I miss all the non-sales people that we see every day. I mean, one thing about VCOM is we're all in it together and whether you're in sales or you're in operations or uh, tech support, you know, we're supporting the same people and we all grow, the better we do. And, um, so yeah, we miss our peers and culture at VCOM is extremely important. We pride ourselves on it. Our CEO, Gary invests a tremendous amount of time in that we onboard people into our culture we uh, offboard people via our culture as you know it's um that's been tough and there's no easy solution to that um i i again a zoom call can only do so much um it's nice to see you today i'd rather be giving you a hug in person having a beer it's just not possible these days and so um trying to practice that authenticity vulnerability and transparency over over a zoom call or just you know, touching base more often, checking in, seeing how everybody's doing, you know, forcing ourselves to have more conversations. I went from, you know, two meetings a month with the team to weekly meetings. Um, I've always been kind of a fan of, you know, salespeople need time to go be salespeople, but those meetings have been really helpful, um, especially as we have to evaluate best practices in an ever-changing world. We start off calls just talking about what we're doing and how we are and, and, you know, how was your weekend? What did you get yourself into? You know, how you feeling? How your family doing? It's all important. And that's all stuff that used to happen naturally as you walk down the hallways or someone stopped into your office or whatever it might have been and that doesn't happen naturally so carving out time to make sure you're making those personal connections is important does it get you all the way there for me it you know maybe doesn't but it's it's helping a lot right now yeah absolutely man so uh, tell us about vcom by the way um full transparency folks once again worked there and uh for almost three years in uh 2012 to 2015 i believe one of the best companies i've ever been a part of Outside of the product, the people were absolutely amazing. Yeah. Uh, so kudos to Gary, Joe, Samir. If you guys are listening to this, you guys are awesome. Uh, but tell us more about VCOM. I don't want to pitch it because I feel like a lot has evolved and changed. With kudos to you. So yeah, and I, I mean, I didn't come on here to pitch VCOM. Um, I came here to talk to my buddy Mike P. But I, I, what I'd say is, is one, we believe in our culture. As I've well, said, I want to talk about VCOM. Damn it. Okay, good. Thanks, Mike. <laughs> You know, um, we're an IT spend management company and we think we're one of the coolest, sexiest companies that nobody in the world knows about. And so it's my job to change that right now. And uh, basically we help 
IT organizations, finance organizations, procurement, C-level, manage their IT spend from procure to pay. And we provide you a software platform to do it. And we give you the managed services to, to help with the data and analyzing it and implementing the solutions that we agree to. And for the mid-market, you know, your resource thin, uh, your budget thin, don't necessarily have the same tools as some of the enterprise organizations have. Our competitors really only play in the enterprise space. And so we're really attacking the mid-market. There's hundreds of thousands of companies out there that we think can use VCOM. And now the what I said earlier, health crisis kind of turning into an economic crisis is shining a light on what we do and creating some opportunity for us to bring value to our customers and to our prospects. And we really think the value that we bring is we provide information, we give you data and visibility, we provide you time back, we help you augment your resources. And then we save money. We give you shareholder value. And, you know, we're pretty confident we can do that. We're currently giving our product away. (laughs) So if there's anyone who wants to, to use us or thinks they're valuable, you know how to find me. Um, but we're willing to bet on it. We're willing to bet that, you know, if you start leveraging us and using us, you're going to see the values uh, that I mentioned earlier, and you're going to continue to use us. And we got a long history. You know, we got 99% customer satisfaction for as long as I've been at VCOM, and I've been at VCOM a very long time. So, uh, you know, I guess you didn't ask me this question, but another piece of advice I'd give a salesperson is work for a company you're proud of. And, you know, to kind of finish the VCOM pitch, I've always been proud to be a part of VCOM, whether it's the culture we've talked so much about today or the product. I'm proud to be there, and I think that's enabled a lot of my my drive and my success. And your tenure's proved it, brother. I mean, what are you, 10, 12 years now already? Or? 13 years now. 13 years, my goodness. Kudos to that. I mean, it's not a loyalty. That speaks a lot because we're talking to a really strong personality here, folks. If he put 13 years of his life into an organization, clearly they're doing something right. Yeah, yeah. Last question for you, bro. I know you're busy. What advice would you give to someone that just wants to get into sales in general? Not even tech sales aside, just, you know, I want to go from accountant to sales. I want to go from a cop to sales. I want to go from something to sales. What advice would you give to that person? Take the leap, bet on yourself. If you believe you can do it, bet on yourself and take a chance. And don't go half-assed. Don't go halfway in. Jump off that cliff and know that you're your own parachute. Every salesperson that I've ever met has a level of swagger and a level of confidence, and uh, you gotta bet on yourself. And keep giving yourself opportunity to grow. Keep taking chances, keep taking risks, it will pay off. There's no question about it. And then keep investing in yourself. Keep getting better, keep meeting with people that inspire you. Shrink your circle to those that do. Uh, You'll find very quickly, you can grow your network fast out here. Uh, make sure the people that you surround yourself with are helping you with your cause and, and making you a better person every single day, holding you accountable. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. Well, appreciate you taking the time, brother. I know you're killing it out there. Um, once again, Paul Conacher, ladies and gentlemen, at vcomsolutions.com, telecom expense management services. They give the way the product for free. Mike P. I appreciate you taking the time, bro. Thanks so much. I appreciate you, Mike P. Thank you so much. Talk soon, buddy. Thanks for joining. For more episodes, visit salespipepros.com.